Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. She's in full flow now. Gliding across the pitch. Heitema helps it on. Becky, time to cut inside and go on! Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Despite a couple of postponements, there were still some results in the WSL as Man United fight back at Old Trafford and Chelsea finally leapfrog Arsenal. Elsewhere, Ada Hegerberg's back in the fold with Norway. Why is she returned after five years away? And how is it going to shake things up at the Euros? And we look ahead to the second leg of this week's Champions League quarterfinal. I was so gutted that the North London derby was postponed. Stop. Honestly, I was moving house on Saturday and I had, thanks to my amazing flatmate, booked like two hours away to go to the game. And it was obviously amazing weather on Saturday. And I was so excited. I thought, OK, we'll get the movers to load the van. I'll go to the football and they'll help you unload at the other end. In actual fact, it was very good I, was, I wasn't there because they needed help because one of the removal men nearly like passed out from carrying stuff up the stairs to the flat. But anyway, that's for another day. The waffle. But, um, <laughs> it, was, it was super gutting because there could have been nearly like 30,000 there that they were going to hope to get. And they definitely sold already over 20,000, reaching 25, and they were hoping to push it towards 30. And now a midweek at the Emirates just doesn't have the same je ne sais quoi, you know? Yeah, and as well, because they were having the Emirates twice in one week, it mm. felt like they weren't really talking about the Champions League game. They were pushing the North London derby. Hard, and, and they'd paid a lot for the marketing and yeah, the PR and all that. And it backfired a little bit, which mm. is such a shame. But being there on Wednesday night as well just made me even more excited to, to yeah. be there with loads of fans. And t- t- COVID, man. It's just a reality Damn check, you. isn't it? COVID's still about. Yeah. It kind of felt like the sun came out, everyone forgot about it, and then boom. And we could, I mean, things weren't looking too helpful when Spurs' game against Chelsea was postponed on Wednesday night. That didn't give a lot of time. Um, but but why did so we. Gutting. Why did we just like carry on like it was going to be on? That's one thing I don't fully Oh, why? And they should have made a call like Thursday. Yeah, and they're like, well, here's our press conference on Friday. And you're like, oh, cool. Maybe it's, no, it's not happening. Yeah, Mm. yeah. And I feel really, I feel really bad for the players. I think players on both sets, uh, both sides were really, really excited for this one. Uh, So, you know, fingers crossed, be a good slot midweek and still a lot of fans will turn out because I'm really looking forward to the rearranged edition of that fixture. But we did have... A game at Old Trafford, the first game at Old Trafford in front of fans. I went to the behind-closed-doors game at Old Trafford that Manchester United played against West Ham last season. Obviously not quite the same in an an empty ground. I wasn't at Old Trafford, but man, it was noisy on the telly. And, you know, seeing tweets from from Tom Gary at the Telegraph, spoke to him yesterday. The atmosphere looked brilliant in the sunshine as well. and two Manchester United fans get on the on the score sheet. You can't really ask more than that. Yeah, I know they say football isn't romantic. Um, such an incredible day for the sport, and and great to see so many fans turn out too. I was so impressed 
with the marketing around the fixture, like not just online, but outside the stadium. It was completely transformed. Um, something maybe other co- clubs could potentially look to emulate. I thought it was really, really cool. Really exciting day. It was just beautiful. I think it was just beautiful to the watch. It but really... it's, the su- it's the sunshine, isn't it? It was the, the sunshine. sunshine just lifts everything. If it had been pissing down with rain, I don't think we'd all be feeling so joyous about it. But that sunshine so just puts the icing on the women's football It's a sunny cake, little tinge for sure. But I think it just had all the right features. It was Old Trafford. You had the fans there, the atmosphere. Yes, the sunshine. Um, but also, you know, the players who scored. I mean, it's just like you could see how much it meant to them. It I was, was going to say, Alicia Russo's face for those two goals, which... Ecstatic. The first one was a really good header. The second one was a decent header, but they weren't like worldies. Mm. But her face, the emotion on her face after scoring those goals, it was amazing. Huge. It's a child It nearly like, brought tears to my eyes. And I grew up hating Manchester United because I went to school in West London and everyone supported Man U because of David Beckham and the fact that they won everything. So it was actually warmed my cold, cold heart <laughs> to see the joy on Alicia Russo's face from that. It was just amazing. Oh, flamantic. Yeah. Come back again. It was so cute, man. It was so cute. And I think having not had the North London derby and obviously that was a big occasion for the weekend. And I, I, I reckon Manchester United kind of felt they were playing second fiddle a little bit to that Emirates game and I now I felt like they got the spotlight because yeah. it was like well we're the only game in the big stadium now guys so everyone kind of focused on that and it was it was on TV as well I think just as an occasion I have to give United some credit for that yeah for sure I thought it was epic um a week of kind of childhood fans scoring at the the main stadium you know we saw it happen with a lot of Wobben Moy as well it was just oh, such a that, lovely yeah. such a lovely week we're going to get on to, to chat Champions League but the emotion on her face as well in that goal it was an emotional week it was it has been uh, it's yeah. Been, yeah I've not Beautiful recovered and emotional for us all yeah. round tears really in my eyes sense of love around this table <laughs> um, more postponements though as well City's game against Birmingham was, was called off at the 11th hour as well um, Covid really uh, grinding my gears last week, this week. Uh, But it is becoming an exciting battle for that third spot. And City are right on United's tails. They are. With a game in hand. Yeah, a game in hand that should they win will take them equal on points. Um, I feel like this Old Trafford game though came at the perfect time for Man United because A, it keeps keeps them ahead for now, the pressures on Manchester City, but also just for the confidence within the team to kind of carry on for the last whatever four games I think they have left. Um, it just felt like, you know, they'd had that an annoying draw for them at West Ham to come and like play at the Theatre of Dreams, play the way they did, win the way they did. For it to be such a big moment is probably just what they needed to kind of go into those last few fixtures of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, when you look at Man United and where they've come from, you know, they've finished fourth for, for both seasons they've been in the WSL. And I think it's always been that elusive third spot. It's always just been out of reach just slightly. And I feel like, this year, they obviously this is their year. I, I do think they're going to get it. And when you look at some of the fixtures that I know, is that is that too big? I was going to say what what's your call? And you just said your pole in you, the sand. I'm doing the pole in the sand thing again. Yes, <laughs> I'm doing that pole in the sand thing again. So you're going for United to hold on to it? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm looking at the fixtures that are, that are coming up, and I'm thinking Chelsea you know last day of the season. I though, think it's all going to come down to that. That's the spicy one. That's big, the one. That is the spicy one. But I also think you know you know City have got Reading, and Reading are not. They can they can pull their game out. They can pull the game out of the bag at the last hour. So I don't think it's a it's a done deal with that either. So, but I do think City have the easy, easier fixtures. So I think Man United have the uphill battle here. But I just think if Man City win that game in hand, and Man United lose to Chelsea, you know, I just think I really can't call it until that last game of the season. Also, if Chelsea have to win that game to win the title, then I don't give United 
much hope. But if it's all wrapped up by that point, which it could potentially, then I think United have a good chance. Yeah. I, I genuinely just can't call it. You could have the Chelsea that came out against Leicester or you could have the Chelsea that came out against... I mean, I'm going to say Aston Villa, but actually Aston Villa just played really well. But, you know, I just feel like you just don't know. You just don't know who you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, let's talk Chelsea. A ridiculous victory over Leicester City. 9-0. It was 4-0 after 11 minutes. 3-0 after 7 minutes. And then it was 6-0 at half time. I think it is huge for them in terms of... I think they were disappointed to have their game against Spurs postponed I think that was probably where they thought we're going to leapfrog mm-hmm. here um, and I think they were really keen to get the upper hand on Arsenal I think that's really important for them because it, it pushes the pressure onto Arsenal so then to have Arsenal's game postponed yeah meant, all in all a bad week for Arsenal yeah, right yeah. you get leapfrogged in the table and you have your league game postponed yeah. Do get that late draw, late well, like yeah, late draw against Wolfsburg, but it's a tough week for them. Yeah, and I think we talked about the pressure being on Chelsea every podcast because they've always been the ones catching up. Um, so to win that game in hand, it's just switched everything. I think it's huge. It will be huge for them, and they've they've weathered a big storm. I think off the pitch, they, and they've dealt with injuries. You know, they lost in the League Cup final, and still they've come out and won and got themselves where they want to be. Um, I do think Leicester. Christ just capitulated like what some the goals were beautiful and you know as Emma Hayes loves to say Chelsea were definitely purring that first and last goal some really nice team goals yeah but unbelievable goal from Guru Wrighton unbelievable team goal right at the end to wrap it up um but Leicester just there was so much space between the lines um defensively they were very loose uh and for some of the goals they were playing really quite high when Chelsea had possession um so yeah they just cut through them like a hot knife through butter just mm. When you watch the goals back, um, they just weren't picking up players anywhere. It just Lydia Bedford does have this high line thing that she's been doing. I think ever since she came in, they did it against Arsenal as well. And I, yeah, I like you. I don't really see them. You need to be adaptable. The method surely. behind the madness. Yeah, um, you would think after seven minutes at least, like we're three 0 yeah, down already. Do this isn't working. I mean, it wasn't annihilation. It was horrible to kind of watch. It was just you know after the third or fourth goal, you're thinking they've got absolutely no way back. It was this, this emoji. Oh. No, it you was that, that. You know the faces. Oh, you know that that, that gift from like Ralph from Simpsons being like stop, stop. It's one way you're like as a player, Chloe. You're probably like just blow the whistle ref like, I don't want to be here I've been there I've been there I think yeah. we talked about it last podcast the Arsenal, the Arsenal yeah. game and like when you're picking the ball out the back of your net nine times on that sixth seventh and eighth ninth time you're thinking no I'm leaving I can't do this anymore what it's was the okay. biggest kind of run of goals in minutes like how many did they score in a certain amount of minutes I think I was quite thankful actually that they were spread out a bit okay. more sporadic so it was sort yeah. of every five or ten minutes or so so that <laughs> was, was yeah it's nice that I think what's really important about that game though I think obviously the, the nine goals and not ideal for Leicester but in terms of the goal difference for Chelsea I mean if it does come down to points oh and goals God. at the end they've just gone yeah. two, mm. two goals ahead of Arsenal yeah, that's true, actually. on that front so. that's, a, that's a huge one and looking at that third fourth battle United actually have the superior goal difference at the moment so that could give them a kind of like extra point um, towards the end of the season. That's what the EFL pundits always say about goal difference. I don't really agree with that extra point thing, especially in the women's game where you just not enough games to catch It's also up, not but... much either. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's like four. Th- yeah, it's time. And Man City have a game in hand. Should yeah. they win that? I'm assuming they're going to score goals. So that yeah. just narrows that even further. So. And they've had some big wins recently. Uh, big win against Everton yeah. last week. So God, Everton must be having like nightmares about just the word Manchester at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Waking up in the night. middle of the night. Like, oh. <laughs> um, let's look at Arsenal's WSL fixtures though because we've got a North London derby to slot in at some point midweek. Uh, we're going to talk Champions League in, in a minute, but they've obviously got the second leg for that this week. And then maybe a semi-final against Barcelona, which kind of, I imagine, makes most Arsenal fans feel sick at the thought of it. Um, but they've got Leicester away, Everton away, Aston Villa at home and West Ham away. Pretty nice That's little nice. run. Um, West Ham are, are very hard to beat at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but out of those, you know, give them a, a pretty good chance. Chelsea... Got to play, still got to play Spurs twice, which is just absurd. Uh, Reading at home, uh, Birmingham away, and then Man United at home last day of the season. Maybe not with a big packed Kings Meadow house, depending on the sale of the club. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough run. You put your pole in the sand for third spot and you went United. I did go United, who, but that's not to say they're going to beat. Chelsea. No, in no, that no. Last but game of the uh, what I'm going to say, ask you, is who are you then going to put your pole in the sand for for the title? Um, do you know what? I think I always want to say Chelsea, but I think looking at those fixtures, I've got to say that that is a pretty easy platter of fixtures there for Arsenal. Oh, I like the platter. Yeah, it's basically like an M and S buffet. Like yeah. buffet. Here is your buffet of fixtures. It's your buffet. Would you like an egg and cress or a ham and cheese? We've lost her. We've lost her. Oh Sorry. no! Carry on. I was just no, thinking about buffets. I got lost in the buffet. We're all anyway. hungry. You can tell. Carry on. Oh my gosh! Yeah, thinking about the fixtures. So you're that, going Chelsea? Uh, no, I think. Well, I want to go Chelsea, but my heart and the, the well, no, my heart saying Chelsea. My logical mind is saying Arsenal with those mm, fixtures okay. that are left. Yeah. So can I sit on the fence? Can I put my pole in the middle of the sand? <laughs> you can make a fence with your pole. Yeah. You? Okay. Right. Fine. That's where I'll be. Rachel. Um, my heart says Arsenal my head says Chelsea because Chelsea have the upper hand now and I just I can't see where they're going to slip up necessarily and especially in the form they're in um, not that I necessarily see Arsenal dropping points but I just I can't see where Chelsea are going to drop points either so they don't drop points they're going to win it so that's my head saying Chelsea yeah I've, I kind of agree with you I feel like once Chelsea get in that spot they're going to hold on to it it's that last game of the season that causes mm. shivers down my mm. spine, though, mm. for Chelsea. Because I'm thinking that is going to be a decider for the title and also potentially. It, but then you know what? Spot. It's good though because so that game could go because we haven't had a lot of big games since that weekend where Arsenal played Chelsea and uh, you had the Manchester derby. Since then, we haven't had a lot of like big weekends of big sort of narrative defining matchups. And that's why it's really important to have that Chelsea United game yeah. last day of season because otherwise it is kind of just a, a sleepwalk to the end as Chelsea probably pick up the title. But that last game does still keep a little bit jeopardy in the situation. It does. And I think I'll be, I'm really keen to see how Man United get on in the next coming fixtures because for Chelsea, they're going to be looking at that and saying, what was the score in the reverse fixture? 6-1. Mm. Um, they're going to be rubbing their hands together. But, you know, they will say every game is... The game's difficult. You never know what's going to happen and all of those cliche things. But um, yeah, I, I think they're they're running. They might just do it. Here comes the corner. High towards the front post. Hit it for Russo again. And it's in again. Alicia Russo, Manchester United's top scorer of the season, gets her second goal of the game. 
She's so dominant in those positions, and she's made that header look easy. Manchester United 3, Everton 1. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, Ada Hegerberg is back. She's back in the Norwegian national team setup. It's been a weird like two years without her because what was it 2017 2018 she wins the first Ballon d'Or 2016 2016 my bad 2016 she wins the first Ballon d'Or no 2018 is the Ballon d'Or 2016 is the UEFA player of the year and then 2017 2019 she wins BBC player of the year it's hard she she won a lot I mean there's a lot of awards awards. Yeah, between 2016 and 2018 she wins a lot of awards let's say Uh, and she is I'm not going to say at the peak of her powers but probably like the biggest her brand has ever been yeah. because she is known as first woman to win the the women's Ballon d'Or, the biggest and best player in the world. And then she has two back-to-back terrible injuries and kind of drifts away as she focuses on coming back to playing. And because of that, we see a lot less of her in the public eye, understandably. And I feel like so much has changed, right, since then. And then it's like, not... I wouldn't go as far as to say that I forgot she existed, but it is weird to think that that's where she was. And now we have, you know, 10 out of Hegerbergs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they took the words out of my mouth. It's it's almost like the game has moved on in such a short space of time. And not that it's moved on without her, but in that she's had to focus on other things and, and focus on her recovery. And because we're so used to her being outspoken and using her platform for a multitude of different things and, you know, kicking ass on the pitch... To not have her is, is such a, yeah, you kind of, you do miss her. And now that she's back, it reminds you of all the things you've missed out on mm. from her in the last couple of years. And But like you say, we've had so many, I imagine she's inspired them, so many players now taking a similar role, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch using their platforms. I think you could be forgiven also, because I think, you know, obviously in the last five years when she's won or picked up all those awards, you know, there's been a, a massive increase in the amount of people that are consuming women's football. I think you have to probably be one of the earlier women's football fans to even know who she is. You can you can forgive people almost for, for not knowing quite the status that she got to, the kind of prestige of the player that she is now and sort of thinking, okay, well, what's the big deal about her, her comeback, especially for the younger generation who are coming through now and starting to watch the games because you just didn't have that access to what she was doing five years ago. Obviously, she's still been playing football and stuff, but obviously with the injury for, out for the past couple of years, you just haven't been able to see what she's been or what she's capable of. So like we've touched on all those awards, but her prolificacy I think is so underrated in terms of her club performance as well. Obviously, we've missed her from the national team, but you know, and Wiki may be wrong, and we know that she will yeah, let us know. Yeah, can't trust Wiki, guys. But because... it does have her down as two hundred ninety-four club appearances and two hundred ninety-four goals, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Flo, you've had experience of getting those stats wrong with Ada, so I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit worried now. Yeah, if anyone wants to see me getting dragged on Twitter uh, by Ada Hegerberg, please go to my Instagram. Uh, and I put a grid up, uh, I think it was like start the pandemic where um, I was, I can't remember what I was doing, but I think someone posted something about her and then I went on her wiki. Do not ever trust wiki, but it is very hard to find stats in women's football. It so is. sometimes you're like, I'll just go with what wiki says, even though if you know it's going to be wrong. Anyway, I tweeted, uh, you know, can't believe that 
Ada Hegerberg has like 200 goals or something. 117 in, you put. 117 goals in 200 appearances or something like that. Blasphemous. And uh, and she goes, oh, it's actually 220. <sighs> and I was like, oh, mate, I'm well wow. off, aren't I? Uh, it was really funny. Oh, yeah. So she, it, was a birthday, it was a birthday tweet. She said, made it to 25. Thank you for the love and support. I'll see you very soon. And then I said, wow, this has hit me very hard this morning. Ada Hegerberg is younger than me. Crying face emoji. She has 117 goals for Leon. What is life? And then she wrote 120 to 220. Awkward emoji face. <laughs> I can't cope. So it wasn't great like you were a few hours. Great, great vibes from her though. Uh, and I will happily get dragged out. by a Ballon d'Or winner. But Doesn't it make you sick how young she is? Yeah. She's 27 now. I mean, I mean, also to put in or 26. Sorry, to put into context. Uh, she will quit. Yeah, she's made her comeback recently for Leon from injury. Uh, scored in the Champions League again, which is. Her competition, like Absolutely. she is the record the queen, goal scorer. Yeah. She's won it five times, I think, with Leon. Yeah. Um, and you know she scored a hat trick in the final a few years ago. But she's been out of the Norway setup, uh, you know, because she didn't think that the the federation were treating the women's team well. There's been some conversation. She's now back. Um, she has a very good record for Norway as well: thirty eight goals in sixty six games. And it's an interesting one when we put our England hats on. We put my England hat on, just put it on there. Um, could be interesting for England in that group as well for the Euros <laughs> because if England do not get a result against Austria in that game at Old Trafford and they made hard work of Austria in Sunderland, although it was like the stormiest storm of all time, uh, it was 1 0 uh, and Earps had to make a killer save yeah. to, to keep it at that. Um, like that could be a tricky second group game in the Euros with Ada Hergerberg now in the squad for for Norway. That changes that second game and makes it a little bit more nervy, I would say, than it had been about six months ago. Few yeah, months and, ago. and England always seemed to draw Norway in the quarterfinals. So now it's yeah. uh, it's one of those like, yay, Ada Hergerberg's back. And then you're like, oh no, Ada Hergerberg's back. So it's a bit, of, as an England fan, um, slightly concerning, but amazing for the game I, like she was missed in the 2019 World Cup and by stepping away from the national team in 2017 she effectively forfeited her you know place at the World Cup she chose not to be there for her country in the World Cup and I don't mean there for her country I just mean to be able Physically to do that there, yeah. to be able to do that is so brave because she wants to improve the the play for her team now for the players around her now and for the young players coming through and that's such a massive thing to do. I mean, Denmark did something kind of similar. They forfeited a game and ultimately missed out on their spot in the World Cup because of it, because they were pushing for better standards. And, you know, you don't see that happen in the men's game. Like to actually do that and miss out on one of the biggest competitions in women's football is incredible. So I hope that it's paid off. And I think things have changed in Norway. And that's one of the reasons that she's come back. Um, but just for the game as a whole, both on and off the pitch, we're just so lucky to have her back. And because she's only 26, she's actually got a lot more yeah. international football to play, hopefully, you know, potentially uh, World Cups, more Euros, Olympic Games. Like, that that's what's exciting is that it's not like she's left it too late to get back into the fold. She's actually, you know, peaked almost so early in her career that there's hopefully a lot more football on the biggest stage to come. I think she deserves that. I think, like you know, like Rachel's touched on, the, the sacrifice that she made in not playing for all that time to try and inspire, to try and basically get better things for the next generation, I think is huge. I mean, as a player, to step down and not represent your country and how much that must mean to you to step out and obviously wear the badge and, you know, you're supposed to do that with pride. But, I mean, you know, credit to her. And I know she had quite difficult conversations mm. with her teammates as well. I know they, they didn't make it easy for her either when she was thinking about doing that. And at the time, she was, what, 21, 22? 
you know, a star on the rise with, with her national club. So, you know, credit to her. I think, you know, the game owes a lot to her. So she deserves a, a stellar career for the rest of it. And it's another star to add to the Euro yeah, mm. really exciting. I mean, oh this God. week it, it it marks 100 days to go until the tournament starts on the 6th of July, which is very exciting. I think Old Trafford hasn't sold out yet, but it probably will for that for that opener against Austria. Um, so if you are not yet coming to Manchester, get down or get up, actually, depending where you are, uh, to Manchester for that one. And yeah, like you say, it's just really exciting to have all the biggest names in European women's football all coming to England for this tournament. And it, it doesn't feel the same when you haven't got, you know, like the fact that Denmark didn't make it to the World Cup. You didn't have Penilla Harder there. Yeah. Like that was true. You almost forget these things. Yeah. You just expect all the best players in the world to be there. And you're like, oh wait, Harder wasn't there. And, you know, Denmark are going to be at the Euros. And now it feels like all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. All coming together. back together <laughs> for the perfect Euros, for yeah. this big moment in women's football. Um, yeah, man, it's exciting. I, I feel like we did 100 days to the Euros back in twenty. 20, yes, I know. That's and what we... I, I swear, we did so much more on our socials for that. And then yesterday morning, I woke up and I was like, "Oh my god, that's today! Crap, what do we do? We've already done this. We've already been. <laughs> it's literally like Groundhog Day." Uh, and looking like we could also break the Euros attendance record for that final at Wembley, which has sold out, which um, would be incredible. I would like to provide some context because everyone was tweeting that it sold out in an hour. Um, fifty six thousand tickets were sold in pre sale to the final, which is in, in itself credible. That incredible that fifty six thousand tickets were picked up in pre sale. Um, but yeah, it just means now that all of those tickets are pretty much gone. Right? I think it's it's exciting as well for uh, I think to see games like Belgium Iceland at the CFA sell out. Cause I think that is the real marker because I think we know now that people want to go and watch England play. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so impressed with the, what was it, 14,000 that came to Carrow Road to watch them at the Arnold Clark Cup, despite terrible travel situation that day. Really good attendance at all those games in the Arnold Clark Cup, all the England games. A good attendance at some of the World Cup qualifiers we've had so far. So we know that England fans will come out and support the team. But I think that the success of this tournament will be judged on how many people come to those sort of smaller group games and th and I think that's what's exciting about Belgium Iceland send it, selling out the CFA and potentially I think Tom Gary's tweeting about some other group games which don't involve England also potentially selling out at these smaller grounds because that's kind of it's, the, it's that general interest around women's football that's important because those are the people that are going to want to go watch their local team and that's the shift is that 10 million people watched the England USA semi-final at the 2019 World Cup People want to support England in major tournaments and watch it on TV, but it only matters really if you build around that and support the club game. Otherwise, that 10 million, it's great, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything long term. And I think that's where you'll really judge the success of this tournament is looking at those little things about who who's going to those group games that don't involve England maybe even Northern Ireland or, you know, the bigger nations. One thing I will say is I know that they're getting a lot of the host cities really involved, um, obviously, in this tournament. And they're doing a lot of work with them to kind of, I think there'll be fan zones in all the host cities and the host That's cities. what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard there will be. And, and they want to get behind the teams that are playing there, which I think is huge. The other thing I will say as well is that now that the WSL has so much European flavour in it, and we've got so much more access to things like the Champions League, we're seeing so many more players from different countries and getting to know them and, and valuing them and, and following them. So that's another thing I'd say, like there are so many amazing players you could get to see. 
around England during the Euros, not just England or, or not just Northern Ireland. Like you could be getting these standout, your Ada Hegebergs, your Pernilla Harders, Magda Eriksons, like you could be seeing them playing in a, in a you know, a, maybe not a massive stadium, but like a fairly comfortably sized stadium. Seeing these like amazing players on the top stage, like how could you not want to go and see them? I think it's that, being able to see those kind of stars, the legends of the game close up. I mean, you're going to be in reach and distance with some of the sort of capacities that those stadiums have. And I think you're right. You're completely right. I think you'll probably see that people come over here from the other countries, sort of, you know, for a couple of weeks, or whatever, to see out all the all the home games because obviously they're not they're not still not sold out, and maybe they won't be on on the day either. And I think with COVID, you know, the travel restrictions are all lifted and stuff. So, you know, I'm quite hopeful that those games will be. Um, do, have I just? Have I no, just... I was just going to say that when you're talking about fans coming over, the Dutch fans. Yeah, oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. I reckon the yeah. Swedish if, fans. If um, it, I haven't, I can't remember which side of the draw they're on, but if Holland's semi final ends up being. In Milton Keynes, I would love to see the Holland fans like marching down a dual carriageway and just going around all the roundabouts and just going, yeah, going all around around the roundabouts, just being like "Ah," listening to their Euro, singing their linked and wrecked and doing their their cool dances and stuff. I think there will be fan marches and stuff as well. I've heard so. I think I think as well with it being fairly easy to travel to and stuff, um, and England not being too big a country, I think we'll see more fans from all nations traveling around to, to see all the different games. Ready, Cascarino's in a little bit of space here, running at Costa, a chance to try and get the ball in, she does towards Hegeberg, well that hasn't taken long has it? 35 seconds on the clock and Leon have taken the lead and you know who, Ada Hegeberg with the header and Leon are up and running inside the first 60 seconds. Rachel, you're going a little, I was going to say world tour, but European tour. You are flying out to Barcelona literally this evening, yes. Tuesday night. And then you're flying to Wolfsburg Thursday morning. I am. You know my itinerary uh, better than I do. Yeah. Hope you got your passports and your COVID passes sorted, <laughs> mate. Um, uh, very exciting. Very exciting. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? I feel like I can guess. Uh, yeah, I think you can. Uh, having been accredited for the Barcelona Real Madrid game, it means I will be get to sh- I will get to shoot pitch side at Camp Nou with almost ninety thousand people in the stadium. That's going to be very very surreal. Um, and yeah, I've been to Wolfsburg far more times I think than anybody should. We've been three times already. And I've heard not it's not the most hip do. happening place. It's not. Um, there's a big seat. VW Museum. There's a VW. Brum, brum. Oh, there's a big like W factory, and there is a big seat. That makes you look small that I've sat on every time I've went. That's quite, that's quite I've seen that on Instagram. I've seen that seat because that's the only thing that everyone goes to do in Wolfsburg. That's oh my it. God. I, I can't believe that's like the main yeah, attraction. I mean, look, it may have changed since I've last been there, but I will say they it's very much like a community. The football there, people just come out to see the team, which I love. It's not like we go out to the men's team and maybe we'll see the women's. It's like we come out to see Wolfsburg play, mm. which is cool. The women's team's right, their stadium's right next to the men's, but they're playing in the main stadium now. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the football there. I think it'll be an interesting fixture. But let's look back on that first leg because Real Madrid were robbed. Yes. That we were talking in the in the upfront WhatsApp group about that VAR decision. It popped off. It was absurd and it completely changed the game entirely. Like Barcelona were poor in that first half. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid deservedly went 1-0 up. Carmona with the goal. And then Barcelona start the second half well, but they weren't exactly like creating a whole load of chances. 
Caroline Graham-Hampson absolutely flops to win that penalty. Like, slow-mo flops to the floor. Um, And then VAR checks, gives it. Pateas does what Pateas does and scores the penalty. And the game just flips on its head and Real Madrid crumble. But without that penalty... I really find it hard to believe that Barcelona win that game. They might get an equaliser, but I find it hard to believe that they would have won that game. And that is gutting. Yeah, um, I was pretty gutted for Real. I thought they played really, really well. Um, Yes, she flopped for the pen, but like, that's why we have VAR. Exactly, you've got a chance. Like, what the hell? Do you know what I mean? Well, my first reaction was, wait, we have VAR. So obviously Mm. I hadn't done my homework. But um, that was my biggest disappointment is that you have a tool there to prevent that stuff and it still happened so you're like what the hell is the point mm. I just I was just so upset for them I think you know we're all, all kind of watching the they're, game I mean their, their post-match hilarious because I don't know if it was Carmona or another player was like if that was in the new camp and it was us a, play, a Real Madrid player that went down that, that penalty's not given and I, I kind of had to agree with her wow I was like it's flop it's city man words. like I, mean. I can't yeah they were not happy I, I, I would be I was, I was outraged for them and I like care very little about Real Madrid but I was like this is a disgrace <laughs> it is a disgrace <laughs> when you look at how they were playing I mean they came out they were the underdogs for that game they came out full force and they completely suffocated Barcelona for the full like first half and they deserved that goal I thought they were outstanding they didn't let Barcelona play all the kind of types of football they wanted to play didn't give them the and space and Barcelona was time. stressing the amount of fouls they were committing in the middle of the park they were, they were stressed getting annoyed yeah. Yeah. They were getting an absolute ag on Barcelona, and rightly so, because I don't think they, you know, they're not a team that faces adversity that often. So I think when they come up against a team that, you know, their strategy, the Real Madrid strategy was bang on. And, and I think what's was ironic is that about what week before Barcelona actually smashed them five nil in the Clasico to win the league. So I don't think anyone expected this kind of no, performance. But I think that was a factor in it as well. I think Barcelona came into that game with a, with a, a touch of complacency there, and I think they got they got absolutely schooled. I think in the first half, and I think yeah. That penalty completely changed the face of the game, and it and it wasn't fair at all. But I think that is the nature of football. Sometimes it just it was unfortunate, and I I agree they were robbed. We could be looking at a world record attendance at the new camp on Wednesday. Very exciting. Mm. I am so upset. I'm not going to be there. More house issues. I have to give back the keys of my old flat. But this it flat. is going to be. I know it's been tragic. We can all um, celebrate when it's done. It's going to. It's going to be one hell of an occasion. The flat or the uh, both. Oh, no, God, right, don't okay, even. Right. But I think it is a little bit disappointing that the game ended 3 1 because I do think it's going to be really hard for Real Madrid to get back into this one away from home. Yeah, I just. I what an upset. It kind of killed the whole tie. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, it would be legendary, but it kind of, this whole thing, that whole penalty kind of killed the whole tie because now 3 1 at home in front of that huge crowd I just don't see them getting back into it yeah I don't know I mean Gonzalez I think she's a one woman absolute powerhouse <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it's 5-0 first 10 minutes <laughs> I hope I hope you're right um, the other a big one we maybe we'll touch on um, was Arsenal Wolfsburg at the Emirates you were there can we firstly just give a shout out to Juve that was probably the oh, biggest yeah. Let, shock let's, the... I mean that was ridiculous Leon really should have been home and dry uh, and they missed so many chances I mean Hertig had a very good chance for Juve in the first I thought sort of like, I was like this is how this game's going to go now yeah. when she missed that she absolutely like oh, such a good chance yeah and then Leon scored then they had loads more chances so they really they should have been like 3-0 up and then this is the best name in, in women's football to say Bonfantini wow what I mean super sub and the absolute scenes, oh, 
Montemurro like, ball is working. Montemurro ball. And I, I don't think many people gave Juve a hope in this competition. And I was so impressed with them at King's Meadow. And now I'm like, do you know what? You prove people wrong. I think people really wrote them off. Probably myself but No, but like, but fair. They're yeah. like... But they Aren't don't they? have a lot of goals in their team. No, and, you know, I, I, they're the complete underdogs in this tournament. So mm. I think it's only natural that we would expect them not to do that well against the seven-time champions. But, but it's a bit like Real Madrid. Like, they've... I mean, Real Madrid don't have a lead, but they've got to defend that lead away from home. Mm. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Against Adahegberg's Leon. Montemur is pretty good uh, defensively, I reckon. He, he sets oh, up yeah. Well, so I mean, I they're going to be so organised. They're going to be so hard Park to break that down. Italian bus. And, and they don't sweat. Like, they don't sweat. They never look nervous. Like, even when they were 1 0 down, they looked really confident. Oh, I thought you just meant like they had like, some condition like, where they were oh, no. sweat. sweat. Oh, was like, not Prince not Andrew. Like, Come on. Paying attention to that. <laughs> I um, not just. Oh, my God. Just quick, Andrew. change the subject. Just Arsenal. Wolfsburg. Uh, Arsenal, Wolfsburg at the Emirates. Uh, I think Arsenal were pretty lucky to get to get a draw in this one. Like, they were, they were, talk about being on the ropes. They were on the I, ropes. I've, I've had heard so many different opinions about this game. Some people thought they were unbelievable. Some te- people thought they were absolute dog shit. I'm somewhere in the middle where I expected worse from them and was pleasantly surprised. I, I do get that vibe a little bit. also appreciate that they didn't play their best football either. Yeah. And I think while Wolfsburg at the post twice in like quick succession, I'd like to say the first one I'm pretty sure was offside. <laughs> no, we're not really talking about the very, very, the, the near misses that Arsenal had. We had Beth Mead really early on almost scored and then she squared a ball across to Viv Miedema who was sliding in. Just missed it. And... Wolfsburg had more chances, a couple more chances, but I don't think they were against the ropes. I don't think that's a fair description. I actually think they looked more comfortable in the game than I would have expected. Um, and normally Arsenal do look seriously dodgy when they're up against a big opponent. They look yeah. absolutely terrified sometimes. So I was pleasantly surprised, actually, and I thought a draw was deserved. But I'm maybe I'm... Another one, though, away from home. <laughs> yeah. Do we give them what? What do we think? You think they're going to make it through to Barcelona? That's an ask. That is an ask. Um, I don't know. It was. I I felt that it was quite an evenly matched game. So I kind of see a little bit of the same. And I think it's it's just going to be a very slightly. I think the desire is still there, which is important. I think getting that last minute goal. I think it lifts them. I think they needed that to kind of give them hope in the tie. But I think if Wolfsburg get an early goal, that could kill things quite quickly. I also think it depends how they turn out. Like if we've got Viv Stenius up and running, which I don't feel like we really had at the Emirates, I don't think they, they played their best game, um, then it could be a different story. It just really depends on what team turns out. And this yeah. is the thing now. There's Not that there's no consistency necessarily, but because we have the a league that we have where you just don't know what's going to happen week in, week out, you just don't really know what to expect from teams. Mm. So I just don't feel like I know what to expect from Arsenal, to be totally honest. But I can expect Wolfsburg to be very strong at home. And then in the other tie, PSG 2-1 up against Bayern. That was uh, away from home. PSG mm-hmm. got that lead. A Marie Antoinette Cototo masterclass. Wow. She's the unreal. woman is ridiculous. She is so good. Yeah. And what's so funny, I was having this conversation with my friend Jesse, is that she makes very good defenders literally look like children. Like the Bayern Munich defenders looked like tiny children. They they were like like just couldn't get near her. And then when they were defending a the corner, they were just like scared to get close to her because they knew that her physicality, her height. They were just unmatched. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, she is liquid football. Yeah, I, I think that's probably, of all of the results, the one that was maybe most expected. But 
it was, you know, it was quite close. So, and they're going to be at home. Yeah. Second leg. I still think PSG will do it, but um, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, yeah, I reckon yeah. she'll she'll bang in a couple more goals as well. Maybe a hat trick. Mm. I'll, I'll put my flag in the stick of the sand of the. Love we're that. mixing so in many analyses. Whatever it is, concrete yeah. sand. Who Draw knows? my line in the sand. My flag in the. <laughs> what is it? It was oh. like the flag, the fence, and the pole. In the a flag, sand. a fence, and a pole walked into a bar, and made no decision on nope. anything. Okay, move on. Uh, <laughs> So you have a very packed week. You're going to Barcelona, you're going to Wolfsburg. And where are you going to be this weekend? Sophie's doing Birmingham on Friday. And I'm doing, and she's doing Manchester the next day. She got the short straw. Um, and then I'm doing Spurs. And then we're off to North Macedonia the following week. Oh, I was hoping you might be at Leicester. I'm at Leicester Arsenal on Sunday. Apologies. Damn. How about you, Chloe? Uh, I'll be at the home game that we've got. We've got Blackburn at uh, home. And you're still on sort of like player coach duties, vibes? Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, relegated a bit from the uh, the management bench. What? You haven't got um, the Sam Allardyce earpiece anymore. I don't have the earpiece the anymore. Boy. It's only because of the person not come back, not okay. because I was, you know, I was I was fired from that position. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it should be a good fixture. It's obviously coming up towards the end of the season now and every point matters. And yeah, we want to absolutely end on a high. And Blackburn will not be happy with their results at the weekend. They lost 1-0 to Coventry. For sure. Yeah, so but that's no slate on Coventry either. No, Coventry played really well. They've given themselves a yeah, really they good played up a good really fight. Well. Yeah, they but, have. But Blackburn just weren't at the races, and uh, yeah, their manager was not happy. So I reckon they'll come out all guns blazing. So feed that back as you're as you're put in the manager. Put it in the earpiece. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Let's go. Um, well, cool. we look forward to catching up next week about how that goes. Safe travels. Thank you. And uh, yeah, that is it for today's episode of Upfront on Football Ramble presents. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet for myself, at Girls on the Ball for Rachel or at Morgie underscore 89. And we'll see you all next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 